Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, and the Lord said unto the serpent. So we are focusing on the sentence that the Lord passed concerning the serpent. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou hast caused above all cattle and above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, so as we consider this judicial sentence, there's a principle I want us to bear in mind. Creatures can be caused or sentenced only in accordance with their natures. And this is very, very important. Now, when God is going to pass sentence on each one of these three offenders, God is going to sentence them in accordance with their nature, obviously in accordance with their crime, but also in accordance with their nature. Okay, when a 10-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 40-year-old commit, maybe they commit the same crime, the way we pass sentence of, on them actually depends on their nature. Okay, and the way God is going to pass sentence on the serpent, and the way he's going to pass sentence on the woman, and the way he's going to pass sentence on the man is informed by their rebellion, but is also informed by their nature. And actually, the same thing also applies to blessings. For example, if God is going to bless a 10-year-old, God is not going to bless a 10-year-old with a jet or with a plane or with a car. Now, that will not be a blessing. It will be a curse. So we need to understand this overarching principle so that we will understand that God is not just, you know, affasadly bringing up judgment. There are... Uh, there are principles, as it were, that guards and guide these sentences. Okay, God is a king, is a kingdom. There's a kingdom, you know, principles. There are principles that are set into the kingdom. I mean, in the kingdom. And God is going to judge each one of them according to their nature. So God's judgment was tailored to the particular nature of each one of these offenders. Yes, they broke the constitution of the kingdom and God is going to judge them and God is going to sentence them accordingly, but God is going to tailor his sentence to the particular nature of each one of the offenders. And that is very, very important principle for us to bear in mind as we move forward. Also, as we previously mentioned, God's judgment began with the serpent. And the flow of the story clearly showed that the sentence that was pronounced upon the serpent must have been pronounced in the presence of Adam and Eve. And this is very, very important because, as you will notice, I'm going to return back to this point, hopefully towards the end of this teaching. And that place that we read in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, started out, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, now, the first thing I want you to see as we look at this sentence is that this was no ordinary serpent. This was a polluted serpent. This was a polluted serpent that has collaborated 
with God's adversary that has collaborated with the devil. This was a tainted serpent. This was a corrupted serpent. So when the Bible says the Lord sent, said unto the serpent, understand the serpent, the state of the serpent that the Lord is beginning to judge. So when we understand that, we'll understand why the judicial sentence is pronounced. As God was pronouncing the sentence upon the serpent, God was really pronouncing the sentence upon both the serpent and the devil behind the serpent. God was pronouncing the sentence against the serpent itself as being the instrument of the devil. And God was pronouncing judgment and sentence against the devil who is the principal offender, is the principal mover, is the principal rebel behind, is the one that started this ball rolling. So as God will be speaking out his sentence against the serpent, understand that God is pronouncing that sentence against both the serpent and the devil. The devil as the principal offender and the serpent as the tool that the devil used. Okay, the devil possessed and used the serpent. So his curse is here mentioned under the cover of the serpent's curse. The literal judicial sentence on the serpent are also mystically to be understood, to be pronounced on the devil. So God was speaking at two levels. At a level, at the physical level, God was speaking to the serpent. But at the mystical level, at the principal level, at the principal level, God was speaking to the devil. The devil acted in the serpent, so God judged this devil in the serpent. So I'll go over that again. The devil acted in the serpent, so God judged the devil in the serpent. As God was judging the serpent, God was also judging the devil that spoke through and acted through the serpent. As the act was principally of the devil through the serpent, so the judgment is principally against the devil, but also through his collaborator, the serpent. So I'll read that again. As the act was principally of the devil through the serpent, so also the judgment is principally against the devil. But because the serpent collaborated with him, then the judgment was also secondarily against the serpent. And it is very, very important for us to understand this. God's judgment of the serpent indicates that it was somehow culpable in this rebellion. We don't know whether the devil approached other animals. We don't know whether there was a particular tendency that the devil has noticed in the serpent that made him approach the serpent. But whichever way, the fact that God passed judgment upon the serpent indicates that the serpent was culpable that the serpent was responsible. The serpent may also be deceived, but it was nevertheless responsible for the part it played in the event of the fall of Adam and Eve. Now we need to understand that the rank of the serpent was among the cattle and the beast of the field. And that is what we read. And we will see that reflect in the sentence that God will pass upon the serpent in the judgment that God will pass upon the serpent. That was his class. That was his rank. In the order of creation, the serpent was among the cattle and the beasts of the field. But what happened 
It exercised the power of human speech and reasoning, which were gestures above its natural rank. Okay, having yielded itself to Satan, the serpent exercised power beyond its class in the order of creation. Therefore, God's judicial sentence brought the serpent down, even down lower than all the cattle and the beasts of the field. And we're going to see that. Let's read that Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 again. We are reading the first half of the sentence that God passed upon uh, the serpent. We, we are going to deal with the second half of that sentence in our next teaching. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art caused above all cattle and above all beasts. Because that was his normal, that was his natural, that was his God-given rank. His God-given rank is among all the cattle and among all the beasts of the field. But he exalted himself. But God brought him down. God said, because thou hast done this, thou art caused above all cattle and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shall thou go, and thus shall thou eat all the days of your life. So in this first half of God's judgment, the serpent was handed a life sentence at three levels. It was handed a life sentence, of course. The Bible says, thou art cursed. That's number one. Number two, it was under the life sentence of slithering. The Bible says, upon thy belly shall thou go. Number three, it was handed over a sentence of shame. God said, dust shall thou eat. So three things, thou art cursed, upon thy belly shall thou go, and dust shall thou eat. So what we're going to do now is to look at the implication of this sentence that God passed upon the serpent and by extension upon the devil. Remember, remember, remember what we said, that every single one of these sentences that God passed upon the serpent, even though it has a physical implication and application to the serpent, it is also principally about the devil. The sentence is equally applied to both the serpent and the devil, literally to the serpent, but mystically to Satan. And this is very, very important for us to understand that in the sentence against the serpent is contained a sentence against Satan. Both of them were punished together. Okay, let's look at the first. Remember, we are looking at this first half of the sentence. And in this first half, there are three parts to it. The first part is, thou thou hast done this, thou art caused above all cattle and above every beast of the field. What is the implication of that with respect to the serpent? In other words, the Bible is saying that the, the serpent will become the most hateful of all creatures. You are caused. And you will see that the serpent is the most hateful of all creatures, the most, the most detestable to men. God said you are caused. The devil is already a criminal, an ardent apostate spirit, banished from the divine presence and doomed to everlasting destruction. And he had no hope of mercy. He had no hope of forgiveness. You cannot pray for the devil to be saved. You cannot pray for the devil to be forgiven. He is accursed. Okay? And 
the serpent by yielding itself as an instrument in the hand of the devil shared of that same cause. Just the same way that people will share of the punishment in hell that was primarily determined for Satan and his angels. But anybody that yielded their life to the devil to be used as an instrument will partake of that judgment with the devil. Remember that hell the hellfire was not primarily or principally created for men. It was created for, the, for Satan and his angel that rebel against God. But anybody that yield themselves to him like the serpent did will also partake of the sentence. And this is why God has sent us to be an ambassador to say you don't need to go to hell. God has provided a way out for you. So that is the first thing that we see here in this sentence. In this first half, God said, you are cursed. The serpent is cursed. The devil is cursed. Okay, let's move on to the second, uh, second sub, subheading under this first sentence. Upon thy belly shall thou go. Upon thy belly shall thou go. Now, what does that suggest for us? Now, this may suggest that the serpent had feet before, but that they were cut off on this account. Now the serpent will have to grovel in the dust and with difficulty creeping along on his breast and belly. Now, whatever this is, the, the sentence here is definitely showing us that there was some definite adverse changes that happened to the physical structure of the serpent and of his kind. And this adversely set it apart from other animals. And how does that apply to Satan? Remember, each one of the sentences apply to both of them. This sentence is a reminder that the devil has been casted down from his previous glory. Remember the teaching we had about the serpent? It was in the garden of the Lord. It was the cherub that covered, but he fell. How has thou fallen, O Lucifer? So the, 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 this sentence here is a reminder that the devil has been casted down from his previous glory, is demoted to the lowest stage to which a spiritual creature can sunk to. The devil has been demoted to the lowest stage that, you know, a spiritual creature can get to. And he will never rise again. He will never regain his former place. He will never regain his former dignity. Okay. He's a demoted angel. And this is very very, very important, is demoted, all right? Is, 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 will, he will never regain that place of dignity, that place of glory that he wants. He's striving for it, okay? He's trying to get it by scheming, by stealing, by killing, by destroying, but that will not happen, okay? He has, he's, he has been put to shame. <laughs> he has been demoted. So when the Bible returned that sentence upon the the serpent, and consequently upon Satan. This is what is involved in that sentence. Let's look at the third subheading under this first sentence. And dust shall thou eat all the days of your life. Dust shall thou eat all the days of your life. Again, this suggests with respect to the, to, to the serpent that before this sentence, that the serpent must have been eating herbs and plants just like every other creature's. Now, the, the serpent will be licking up dust of the earth. As he eat whatever he found to eat, it will be licking up the dust of the ground. And, and, and some people even say there are some um, 
serpent that actually it does directly. Okay, now it will not be eating herbs and plant uprightly. The Bible says, and dust shall thou eat all the days of your life. How does this apply to the devil? Eating the dust is an expression of defeat. Eating the dust is an expression of humiliation. And this is very, very important. So for the serpent, it's an expression of humiliation. Yes, literally, the serpent is upon is, 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 is littering upon his breast and licking the dust. Even for the serpent is a sign of humiliation. It's a sign of defeat. But much more for the devil. So when the Bible says, upon and thus shall thou eat all the days of your life, is a demonstration of the defeat and humiliation of the devil. Satan has fallen. He is not a top shot. He is pre- trying to project himself to be projected himself to be a, a, a top shot to, to, to the serpent, to Adam and Eve, but he is defeated. He has been put to shame. Okay, he is falling. Is now feeding on base food. He lives upon the earthly and impure lust of men. This is the case of the devil. This is the condition of the devil. This is the circumstances of the devil forever. I know he's trying to pre- present himself as the big shot. He's trying to present himself as the one with the wisdom, you know. No, he's falling. He's finished. And essentially what he has going for him is to blind people's eyes to the truth about himself and to lie and to actually turn men and women against themselves and to, to use the authority and the power that God has given human and to use it against them. So there's a, part, there's a second part of this sentence that God passed on the serpent and ultimately against the devil, but we will be looking at that second part by the grace of God in our next teaching. But before we go, I want us to look at the effect of this sentencing of this of serpent on Satan. What was the effect on Adam and Eve? Remember what we said at the beginning of this teaching. Understand that as God was passing this sentence on, on the serpent and consequently on Satan, Adam and Eve were there listening to what is going on. And they very, very quickly, they are saying that the Lord God is demonstrating in one single stroke that he and he alone is God. He is the master of all creatures. He is the one in charge and no one will ever be like God. I mean, this, these are their champions. These are the people that promise them heaven. But they only deliver hell to them. They only deliver pain to them. This must have hit Adam and Eve like a tornado. The serpent and Satan have been talking themselves up, but in the presence of God, they were reduced to silence. In the presence of God and compared to God, they were nothing. And Adam and Eve will have quickly realized that to obey the serpent, to obey Satan and then rebel against God was a colossal and eternal mistake. Philip Edgum Hugh in, in his book, The Tree Image, called it a folly of the most irresponsible and inexcusable kind. That must have hit them. Here was the devil that was promising heaven and earth. 
in God's presence, he was reduced to silence. In God's, pre- in God's presence, he was ashamed. <laughs> in God's presence, he was judged. You know, his, his, his weakness was exposed. He was nothing. I mean, I was going to say it was nothing compared to God. Nobody has anything compared to God. It was nothing near what he was projecting himself to be. Unfortunately, Satan continued to tempt human with this pretension that they can be like God, that they can seize power for themselves and attain divine wisdom and status. But the truth is that as we see this proceeding in this court of law of God, such temptation is vain, is hollow, and is, a, is, is as miserably deluded as it was in the days of Adam and Eve. And I hope and I'm praying that you will wake up if you are listening to me today. The devil does not have your good in mind. He doesn't have anything to provide for, to, to give you. And if you don't run away from him, you will basically partake of his judgment. But you don't have to, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Lord Jesus comes so that you will have life and have it abundantly. That whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God has given you and I an alternative way out. But the choice is ours. We can be like Adam and Eve and throw in our lot with the devil and praying that you will not do that because the end of that is destruction. The end of that is regret. And I don't want you to end up in destruction. I don't want you to end up in regret. God does not want you to end up in destruction or regret. That is why he's asking you today to come. Come unto me. I will give you rest, he said. With your labor, come. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God has provided a way out for us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him tonight. Admit that you cannot save yourself. You are a sinner. And God has not called you to condemn you. He has called you to save you. Come to him. Ask him to be your savior. He will come in. He will make a change inside you. You will become a daughter, a son of God. He will walk with you the rest of your life on this earth. And then when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.